This is Your Edmonton, a bi-weekly look into the people, places, and things that make up our city. I'm your host, Braden Brasda. This is episode 11. Today's topic is Flying Canoe Volant, the story as well as the festival that goes on in Edmonton, and also a little recap of 2019. We have no guest today because we want to also include the recap, and Taylor's actually under the weather. So the first thing we're going to get into is the 2019 recap. So at the beginning of every show, we did our icebreakers with all of our guests, and I collected all the responses, and we found out that River Valley Road and White Avenue were the most popular choices for favorite road because of the scenery or buildings, um, the stuff to look at. And all but one of our guests actually chose the road based upon what you could see or do, and one who was Sarah for the running um, picked it because that was her commuting road. The most popular favorite bridge for our guests was the high-level bridge, and it was because of the changing lights and also the bit of historic aspect to it. I thought for sure it would be the new Walterdale Bridge, so I was a little bit shocked that the high-level still beat it out. We had no clear favorite building. All the answers we got were unique, which I think is pretty cool. It kind of just goes to show that there's so many buildings to pick from at Edmonton. All the reasonings given for the favorite building were either on the exterior look, so the like just purely visual, or the historical aspect of that building, just like the bridges. As for the local spots, we had 11 food and drink options suggested, five of which were cafes, and the others were all activities. So we had six activities, six food and drink, and then also five cafes. Our most popular episode of 2019 was the City Hall and City Hall School episodes, and we divided them up. You may have noticed that they originally one. We divided them up into two so that the um, City of Edmonton website could use them because they asked to, to split it up for them. And even after we split it up, it still was the most popular episode. Uh, this was followed by episode one, the Community Leagues and Green Leagues, um, way back with Ronick Patel. And our third most popular episode was the Birding and Wildlife episode with Beck Baldock. As for devices... Um, mobile listening was our most popular method, with 60% of our listeners coming from mobile, 30% coming from desktop, and then the other 10% coming from tablets. And in that mobile category, our most popular device was from Apple devices like iPhones and iPods. So I thought that was interesting that I think that most people are kind of 50-50, half Apple, half Android, but still um, mostly coming from iPhones. Another thing we're able to track is where our listeners are from, and I thought this was kind of interesting because we can go into the countries, and so our most popular country that people listen to us in is Canada, and that makes sense. The second most popular is the United States, and the third is Australia. And I think the third probably comes from um, the episode with Beck on it because she is from there, and I imagine she had some people that she knows from Australia listening to her. And the United States, I think a lot of the um, big companies, like if you um, if it gets stored on the Google server or Apple server, then we can go into um, the most popular cities. And again, of course, Edmonton was ranked number one for where our listeners are from. Second was Boardman, Oregon. 
which I thought was interesting. But then I looked it up, and it seems like Apple has a lot of servers there. So that could explain why it's so popular. Maybe Apple stores it there before it downloads to you. Third most popular is Toronto. Fourth is Mountain View, California. I think that's the same thing with Google. Google has some server farms there. And fifth was Calgary. And there's a bunch of other ones kind of divided up all over the place. As for our guests, I didn't really realize it until we were kind of nearing the end of the 2019 year, but a majority of our guests this year were female, and with seven ladies and only three men joining me on the podcast. And I've been looking ahead um, to the guests we have for 2020, and it balances out a little bit more, but there's still quite a few um, ladies on the podcast. So I think that's kind of interesting that I don't know if it's just that I know more ladies doing interesting things at Edmonton, or they're more willing to come on the podcast, but we'll see if that continues. So that's kind of all the um, 2019 stats and stuff I have. We'll go now into the main topic, Flying Canoe Volant. So the Flying Canoe Volant is a festival held in Edmonton every year in the winter, but it's actually a French-Canadian tale, and that's why it's here, is it's kind of a festival celebrating French-Canadian and Métis culture, and so they do it after this tale. And so I thought the first thing to talk about is the actual tale itself. So it's known most popularly in, by three names. It's either the Flying Canoe, La Chasse Galerie, or the Bewitched Canoe. The first kind of mention of this tale kind of goes back to France, and there was a legend about a nobleman named Gallery who loved to hunt. And he actually one time missed Sunday Mass because he was hunting. And as punishment, he was condemned to fly forever through the night skies, chased by horses and wolves. And the wolves can kind of come into importance later, you'll find out, in the festival. And then when the French came to Canada, the tale of Gallery is blended with a First Nations legend about a flying canoe. And that's kind of where the French-Canadian Métis tale comes from. And so the most popular variant of the story, the most popular in Quebec anyway starts on a New Year's Eve after a night of heavy drinking when a group of voyageurs, and sometimes they're even Gatineau voyageurs, who were working 100 leagues or 300 miles or 480 kilometers away from their sweethearts, and they wanted to make it back in time to celebrate New Year's with them. And the only way to make this journey in time was to run the Chasse Galerie, which means making a pact with the devil to allow their canoe to fly. The rules of this pact, though, were that the travelers could not mention God's name or touch any of the church steeples, and they had to be back by 6 a.m., where the devil would take their souls. So they agreed to this, and they flew over the Gatineau Canal and Montreal, and they made it back while their sweethearts and friends were celebrating New Year's. However, on the way back to their work it became apparent that the navigator had too many drinks and was steering quite dangerously. They barely missed a steeple in Montreal. And soon they end up in a snowdrift. They crash. The drunk navigator started to swear, and he started taking the Lord's name in vain. So terrified of what consequences the devil might do them or steal their soul, the other workers gagged and bound the drunk navigator in the canoe and assigned someone else to steer. However, the drunk navigator eventually broke free and being so terrified um, of what was going to happen because he was still swearing and taking the Lord's name in vain, they crashed into a huge tree and knocked themselves unconscious. And that's the end of that story. 
However, there's other variations where, um, for instance, instead of a canoe, it's an Acadian version which has an axe that can fit as many people that climb on it can accommodate them. And another version or other versions of the most popular tale is the devil was steering and was trying to deliberately break the rules so the workers had to throw him out. And most of the time the um, workers manage to thwart the devil and everything ends up okay. But sometimes the men are condemned to fly the canoe through hell and through the skies on New Year's Eve as punishment for breaking the pact. But that's basically the flying canoe story and so if you go down to the festival, hopefully you can see some of the aspects um, of the story in the festival. We're going to take a quick ad break, then we'll go through what the festival actually has to offer. This episode of Your Edmonton Podcast is brought to you by Mobile Max RV Service and Repair, a local to Edmonton company that travels around north central Alberta to meet your service needs. Rather than having to move your trailer or RV, he will come to you, from appliances to plumbing and everything in between. You can call him at 780-904-6433, email service at mobilemaxrv.com, and his website is mobilemaxrv.com. And next time you get your service, mention your Edmonton podcast for 10% off. Again, that's Mobile Max RV Service and Repair. Welcome back. So in the second half of our show today, we're going to talk about the actual festival, Flying Canoe Volant in Edmonton every winter. This is, I think, my favorite winter festival, and it might be one of my top Edmonton festivals year-round. I think I've been now four times, maybe three, and yeah, I'd love it. The only unfortunate thing is, in the times that I've gone, it's usually been the coldest day of the year. I'm hoping in 2020 here that it will be a little bit warmer. It looks like it should be. Um, Fingers crossed, though. So the festival is contained within the French Quarter on the Milk Creek Ravine. So that's kind of the um, White Ave and 91st Street North, and then, of course, the Milk Creek Ravine right there. This year it runs January 30th through February 1st, and it's in the evening. So it's 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. in the ravine and the school, and it's open till 12 a.m. in La Cite Francophone. And that's kind of how they also divide it up. So there's a couple different parts to the festival, the way we'll go through it is kind of the way that I've always done it, is starting at La Cite Francophone and then going from there. So outside the building, they have a couple things as well as inside. So outside, they have a snow slide for kids that kind of goes from the um, road height, if you know what that is, down to the bottom of their little area. They have an outdoor DJ, um, an ice bar if you want to get some beverages. And my favorite thing is the Maple Taffy Station. And the line will be quite long for this, but it should move pretty quick. Sometimes, though, they run out of Maple Taffy that's hot enough. So they are in a process of heating up more and you have to wait a bit. But basically, if you've never done this, you get some snow and they have a little station there set up for you. And they'll kind of drizzle out some maple syrup. And you put a popsicle stick in and just kind of on one side and then it'll cool and as it cools you can roll the popsicle stick and it'll roll the maple taffy off of the snow and then it makes a nice little treat for you and it's really good and something you can do at home too after if you want and that's by far my favorite thing I think there and if you're a little bit adventurous you can also do some kick sleds and so they'll do that um, on the road there they shut down a portion of the road 
and it looks like um, some dog sleds almost without dogs. And so you're pushing yourself along the road on the snow. Um, and lots of people do some races. It looks quite fun. But again, there's, there'll be a line for that. And in typical years, for me anyway, after kind of looking around at all the things outside, you have to go inside and warm up. So inside, they have some kids crafts, a general store. They have some artisans, vendors, hot food, craft beer, music, local partners, they say. And they also have a cabaret show in the evenings. And so I've never done that. So if that interests you, you could definitely get tickets for that and see that in the theater they have there. After you warm up a bit, you could walk over to the school. It's um, a cold Rutherford school. And there's, again, two portions here. There's the outside and the inside. And this is kind of the first little foray into what I consider the actual festival. I know that, like there's stuff at the Lesset Francophone, but to me it's more about the ravine and the school here. And so there's be an outside area where they have some displays up with some art and they'll have an outdoor stage with some music. And they also set up behind the school a um, Voyager's canoe ride and... So I think that's like a little buggy type thing, but I actually don't remember that off the top of my head, and I couldn't really find out. So you can look for that. Um, I think it's like a little track thing they do outside the back of the school. And here again, when you're cold, you can go inside, and if once you're done in the ravine, you could come up here and warm up again inside because they have a um, cafe croissant, they call it. And so I think last time we got hot chocolate, and they have in the gym a community stage with some tables, so you can definitely just warm up there. And once you're ready to go again, you can go down into the ravine. And I know I didn't see it online this year, but in previous years, they've had sleigh rides that you can wait for that'll take you from the school down to the entrance of the ravine. But again, I didn't see it on their information this year on the website, so there might not be anything this year. So yeah, you can walk down into the ravine and then it the world changes. And this is my, my favorite thing about this festival is this, you'll go down into it and then all of a sudden you're no longer in the city. You're kind of in the world of this festival. And a lot of the festival is centered around light and art with lights. So there's a kind of a path you follow. And so the first thing you'll come up to if you go through the main entrance to the ravine is the indigenous camp. And so... There they'll have a couple teepees and those will be all lit up and usually they have a fire inside and you can warm up in there if it's really cold and they'll have some art displays outside with some cool lights and I don't really know how to describe these um, light displays because they're very different than like traditional art I'd say and so I think the best way to do it is if you google the festival there's lots of pictures that come up and you'll see kind of what I'm talking about but they'll just be like lanterns with lights or squares with different colored lights, but it it looks really cool. I know I'm not doing a very good job describing it, but trust me. So at the Indigenous Camp on January 30th, there will be a, a heritage culinary um, session with Chef Scott Eiserhoff and Chef Josh Butters. That's the only day they do that. And so I know in other years, they've had tea in one of the um, teepees for people but I don't know if they're doing that or if this is something different and then on January 31st and February 1st there'll be drumming camping and conversations throughout the teepees and the indigenous camps so moving on from there you'll follow the illuminated trails again with these light displays and you'll follow that to the Métis camp 
And the Métis camp has Métis dancing with a family band. And usually there's a guy with a fiddle and there's sometimes square dancing. And this sounds pretty cool. There's also a um, contemporary story, song and dance. A northern trapper exhibit featuring Robert Granjambe Jr. And on January 31st and February 1st from Fort Edmonton Park, there's an 1885 heritage camp display. That one, there's always usually also some fires, so you can warm up. There's some bannock making. And then also, and I think I missed this on your way to the Métis camp. In between, there's a fur trapper's cabin. And I've never actually been inside because I think it's mostly for kids where they have storytelling and song singing activity with Roger Dallaire. And so I'm pretty sure this is kind of for the little kids. We can go and warm up and listen to some stories and stuff. And then you can, of course, walk back through the lights to go to whichever camp you want again. And while you're walking, you might see some people flying in canoes. You might see some wolves chasing them. And, of course, you'll see some really cool light displays. There's also one more aspect of this festival. It's called the races. So at the Edmonton Ski Hill, they have two race days for canoes, canoe races. And they also have live music. So... On January 31st, there's a corporate challenge race, so different companies from across Edmonton. And then on February 1st, there's public races for teams of people who have entered. And I'm not really sure what these entail because I've never actually been down to these ones, but it could be cool to go look, and I'm sure the deadline might have passed for this year, but then you could sign up a team next year. And that's basically it for the festival. And I know it's been a quick little description, but I really... Don't want to tell you everything and oversell it, but I think it is one of the best festivals in the city, especially if it's a little bit warmer. A little bit of logistics, though. When you go there, parking is a little bit tight. There is free parking at La Cid Francophone and their parkade, also at Mill Creek Pool there if you want to go right into the ravine. But there is some residential parking in the area, but I know that does fill up as well. So just um, be prepared that it might be a little bit of a journey to find parking. So before we wrap up our show, we'll give our first local spot for 2020 here. And so my local spot for this episode is the Rainbow Valley Campground. This is the campground that is attached to Snow Valley. So in the winter, it's a ski hill. In the summer, uh, it's a good access to the ravine there. And also there's this campground. And of course, the little climbing apparatus that there is there now. But I don't know um, how many people... I've actually stayed there before, but I know we've used it as a kind of family reunion camping spot or just kind of a, we want to go camping, but someone was too busy and couldn't leave the city or um, my dad had to work or something. But it's kind of a little nice little tucked away campground because once you're down in there, you don't really hear the white mud. You don't really know you're in the city. You have access to the ravine that takes you right to uh, Fort Edmonton or the river, um, it, it can treat us a little hike, and it's just kind of a little nice getaway. And so if you've ever thought about you want to camp or just get away for a weekend and you like camping but don't actually want to get away, I would actually consider that as a good option. So as with always, we have a couple of links for you guys. The podcasts, we have our own website, so it's com. Now you can listen to episodes directly. You can find all the show notes with clickable links. Uh, we're also on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can also email us at youredmontonpodcast at gmail.com if you have any 
questions, if you have any topics for future episodes, if you want to be on an episode, you have something cool going on in Edmonton, just give us a shout. So until next time, this is your Edmonton. Edmonton.